How well would you say you know God? Well, I can tell you one thing. You don't know God as you should if you don't grasp the concept of his holy wrath against human sin. Now, this is an uncomfortable thought for many people, and especially for unbelievers. But this truth is undeniable. You need to understand what this means. And Stephen will help you in a lesson he calls the uncomfortable side of God. Sometimes the truth of Scripture is like a fire in a cozy fireplace. But sometimes it's more like a blowtorch cutting through steel. Sometimes the truth of God's Word is, is, is like a little firecracker out there in the driveway that rattles your windows. But other times it's like a bomb that comes crashing into the living room of our lives. Well, the Apostle Paul has just told us in verse 17 of Romans chapter 1 that the gospel, the truth of God's word, reveals the righteousness of God. Well, now here in verse 18, he tells us that the gospel reveals the wrath of God. In fact, the next 64 verses from chapter 1 verse 18 To the middle of chapter 3, Paul is going to bring us face-to-face with the terrifying, uh, devastating truth of God's fury and wrath. It's, It's what I call the other side of God. And let me tell you, it's this uncomfortable side of God that people don't want to hear about today. Yes, he's a he's a God of mercy, but he's a God of justice. Yes, he created an eternal heaven, but he also created an eternal hell. Now, beloved, I find it interesting that this attribute of wrath is actually the beginning point of Paul's formal teaching to the Romans here in this letter. With this now, his introduction is over, and he begins here in verse 18 to begin rather the the, the teaching, sort of the lecture that he has in mind. And he begins with these terrifying words, for the wrath of God is revealed. Now, you might think this is a a rather terrible way to start the teaching portion of Romans. You know, why not start with the grace of God? Paul's going to turn everybody off here. He's not going to evangelize anybody. Wouldn't it be better to start with something, you know, maybe a little more positive? I heard on the radio the other day a song that basically said, uh, come to Jesus and all your problems are going to be solved. Well, that's how you win people to Christianity. Well, I personally think Uh, One of the strategies of Satan is to silence the truth of God's anger against sinners and his coming wrath upon uh, mankind. Satan knows that if, if people get a hold of this truth, well, they just might cry out for the mercy of God. Let me tell you, the preaching of the truth of God's wrath does not hinder evangelism. It actually leads to genuine conversion. People get saved when they realize they're accountable sinners before a holy, just God. Paul makes that clear here in verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. In other words, God's wrath isn't Paul's idea. It's a divine attribute revealed by God himself. Now, let me mention the difference between God's wrath and man's wrath, between God's anger and man's anger. They are worlds apart. Uh, 
There are two primary Greek words in the New Testament for wrath or anger. One is thumos, which gives us our English words like thermos or thermometer. And Paul never uses thumos when he refers to God's anger. Thumos refers to red-hot, often uncontrolled, anger. And that, by the way, characterizes human wrath. This is what we see in what we call road rage today, where people just go out of their minds with explosive, uncontrolled anger. The word uh, Paul uses here for the anger of God is, is the Greek word orge, which refers to a settled conviction. It's what you could call a, a holy hatred of evil. It's an anger that is never uncontrolled. In fact, it's motivated by God's righteousness and justice. But let me add here, Paul, Paul uses the present tense when he writes, the wrath of God is revealed. Well, how is it revealed? What, what is this revelation of God's anger uh, uh, all about? Well, God's revelation comes in two forms. His attributes, including his wrath, are revealed through general revelation and what we call special revelation. General revelation is is something every human being around the world has access to. General revelation includes creation. And we're told in Scripture that creation gives a clear testimony of a creator's existence. And and Paul, in fact, will deal with that a little later on here in this chapter. General revelation also includes human conscience. Because of sin, the conscience is imperfect. But it still whispers inside every human being when they do something wrong that it's, it's wrong. It's that inner voice God created in us that teaches even that, that person living in a, in a jungle region far away from any biblical instruction that it's wrong to steal his neighbor's chicken. And he feels that. He, he knows that intuitively. Every human being has the gospel of creation, which informs him there's a creator And every human being lives with a sense of right and wrong. I like to call that the gospel of conscience. And by the way, he defies that whenever he chooses uh, to pursue sin. Well, the other form of revelation from God is what we call special revelation. And this is explicit communication from God. Special revelation from God is this book, this Bible, 66 inspired books. Well, let me mention that that general revelation through creation and conscience is not enough to save a person. Uh, However, Paul will explain later on that creation and conscience are enough to prove every unbeliever is guilty and without excuse. Why? Well, because mankind denies the revelation of creation. He denies the revelation of conscience. In fact, the more humanity has discovered about the beauty and complexity of creation— Well, what are they doing? They're working even harder at denying a creator. And the harder they have to work to silence the voice of conscience. And the truth is, when you deny the voice of conscience, when you deny a creator, you can only become all the more confused and sinful all the while. I've read, if you can imagine it, in just one day, one million people worldwide will contract a sexually transmitted disease. That's more than 374 million people a year. You know, when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, the Roman Empire was already self-destructing. 
Bulimia was a part of one of their favorite religions. They would worship the god Bacchus with drunken orgies, feasting on food, and then they would vomit it up, if you can imagine this, as a sacrifice to that god. Then they'd go feast again, and, well, they'd repeat the cycle. Child prostitution was flourishing in Rome. It was legal. Political leaders were known for their pedophilia. Bisexuality was considered the balanced perspective. In fact, divorce was so common that Seneca, the Roman statesman, wrote that the elite women of his culture dated the years on their calendar by the names of their husbands. So Paul's letter here arrives And let me tell you, it's like a flaming missile right into the heart of this culture. He informs them that there is a God in heaven, and he's not happy with sinful mankind. He is revealing his wrath against sin. Now, Paul continues here in verse 18 as he writes that that God's wrath is directed to all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The terms ungodliness and unrighteousness are used to sort of sum up all of the sin of humanity. Ungodliness refers to rebellion and defiance toward God. Unrighteousness is a word that refers to evil actions toward other people. Well, now here in verse 18, we're told that there's this common ingredient among the unrighteous and ungodly human race. Paul writes, that they suppress the truth. That is, they literally push it down. They try to keep it uh, away from from people to understand or see it. They keep it out of the press, so to speak. Uh, So you could say it this way. There is a universal cover-up of the truth. The truth is being systematically denied. Why? Well, sinful mankind rejects God's wrath because he wants to behave any way he wants to behave. Mankind rejects God's word because he wants to believe anything he wants to believe. But let me tell you, beloved, as hard as the unbelieving world tries to suppress the truth, God's creation does what? Well, it keeps on declaring the glory of God. It keeps on shouting the news. There is a grand designer. There's a creator. And human conscience, what does it keep doing? It keeps on whispering that there's a moral standard of right and wrong. Beloved, no matter how corrupt your culture might be today, remember first century Rome. And remember that as far as God was concerned, well, that time was perfect. Rome was the perfect place to plant a church and to begin shining the light of the glorious gospel to that, to that culture, to those people who were bound in sin desperately in need of God's saving grace. So wherever you are, wherever we are today, well, let me tell you, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect place to do our part and to shine the gospel light of God's truth into our world. Well, until we set sail again next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
That was Stephen Davey and a lesson called The Uncomfortable Side of God. This is The Wisdom Journey, a teaching series through all 66 books of the Bible. In addition to you listening each day, Stephen invites you to join a group he calls Friends of Wisdom. When you do, he'll visit your email inbox once a week. Each week, you'll receive an article, an answer to a Bible question, or a free resource. All of it is designed to help you grow in the faith and walk wisely through life. Best of all, Friends of Wisdom is absolutely free. So, why not sign up right now? Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash friends to claim your free membership in Friends of Wisdom. That's wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. Do that today, then join us next time to continue traveling along the wisdom journey.